0: Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, this is going to be interesting. I mentioned this in our first segment that I heard her on a national radio interview, and I was like, man, we've got to book this guest. This (laughs) is a fascinating story. And uh, I have to tell you, it, it's, it reflects so much my own story, being the victim of embezzlement by my own brother, who had a second family set up ah. that nobody knew about, and on and on and on. And uh, she's with us tonight. Her name is Abby Ellen. She is a prolific writer. You may have seen her uh, writing in the New York Times, in the Los Angeles Times, Psychology Today, and on and on and on. And this book, I love the title, <laughs> Duped, Double Lives, False Identities and the con man i almost married abby ellen welcome to the broadcast
1: hi thank you for having me
0: hey i noticed your dedication was to your mother and yeah. you said she <laughs> you said mom was right from the beginning so maybe you want to say happy mother's day to your mom
1: a happy mother's day mom yes yeah she was she was right she was yeah right. it's like
0: the, <laughs> the mother's intuition right
1: You know, it pains me to admit it, but uh yeah. (laughs) So you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. And and she was suspicious of this guy and and she was right. So yeah.
0: I'm gonna ask you if you could speak just directly into your phone. It's your your sound is good, but it could be just a tiny bit better. All right. Okay, is that Um,
1: better? Okay.
0: Yeah, that's good, good, good. So in my own case, as I mentioned there the intro,
1: I was scammed
0: I was scammed by my own brother. And uh, he was my accountant. And during a five-year period, he embezzled $2 million. And during that five-year period, we were having every holiday together, every kid's birthday together. uh, And he had a separate uh, house set up with another woman. Five minutes from the house where he lived with his wife and children, he had a separate house set up. And this whole thing was going on. And the thing I probably identified with most in your book was like the stupid feeling after, I think you have a term for it. It's like uh, post-traumatic, uh, what is it you call that, the, the feeling Post- you have afterwards? De-
1: both, both de- post-deception stress disorder.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because everybody everybody that? says... You, you should, how did you not know? You should have known. You, know, you, you should, should have, have seen the signs and so forth and so on. But these people are absolutely diabolical. Now, in your case, you're a smart lady. Uh, you've got a master's degree. Uh, you're a writer. Um, you're someone yeah. that lives in New York. I mean, you're not somebody that would, anybody would think would be an easy mark. So tell us your story of this character that you got involved with. And and almost ended up marrying him, and his incredible lie after lie after lie.
1: Okay, so I and tell me interrupt me anytime you want, so I don't ramble. When I no, go ahead, ramble on. This is fascinating. Right, I'm gonna ramble. Okay, I met this guy. I interviewed this man. Um, I was doing a story for a newspaper <laughs> that shall remain anonymous. And um, I needed to quote a doctor in the story. It had to do with some uh, health thing. And so I quoted this guy, and and that was the end of it. This must have been in, I think, 2008, and the story did not run for another year. So a year later, I called him, and I said, hey, are you still in private practice in in Beverly Hills and – you know, is everything the same? And he said, no, I'm in the military. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and I rejoined the Navy. And I'm opening up a hospital for kids with cancer in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, I was interested in that. I was actually going back to school for another master's degree. I was going to Johns Hopkins in Washington um, for, to get a degree in international relations. So I said to him, you know, that's a story. This is something I'm interested in. Keep me posted. So did he would email me every so often and this was now 2009 and he started emailing me more and more but it was always only professional by january of 2000 end of january of 2010 he said to me you know i am going to be in new york city let's go somewhere somewhere celebratory and let's go after dinner i said great so we went somewhere and we went to the four seasons and and it quickly was clear that this was not a professional situation. Um, he was wearing his Navy wife. I, I didn't know anything about the military at that point, but he, he was wearing his Navy wife, and he told me he'd just been speaking at the UN. And that, um, you know, he told me, let's see, he told me that he had met his ex-wife when he rescued her when she was held hostage in uh, Iran. And he told me that he had been held hostage in China. And this is why he often had screaming nightmares in the middle of the night. He also liked to sleep with the lights on and the and the TV blaring because he was afraid of the dark because he used to be, they, they beat him. Um, he told me that he had been in Guantanamo, a doctor in Guantanamo, and that one of his patients looked a lot like Osama bin Laden. I mean, is what he said. He basically said it was bin Laden, and he described him to me. And I said that's just not possible. That makes absolutely no sense. And he said, "It is." He said, "It's it's possible." I said, "The president would not let this be." You know, this is this was under George Bush. I said, "This is not possible." So this possible. was after Bush.
0: Bin Laden. After, after Bin Laden was killed, he was still no, alive. No,
1: no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. This was before he was killed. This was oh, okay. So he was so he was, and I he was said, being
0: held yeah. there supposedly.
1: Correct. And I said, that's not possible. Bush wouldn't let that stay secret. A secret like that wouldn't stay secret. He said, Bush doesn't know. And I thought, <laughs> this is, has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But then I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, it sounds so obvious. It sounds so insane. But maybe it's just one of those like you know things that, that maybe it's just so obvious that it's, it's right. You know, and nobody would think that, you know, it's like a secret, an open in plain sight secret, you know.
0: And it is important for people to know that this guy really was in the military. So he wasn't one of these people that like went to a Goodwill and bought a a used naval officer's uniform. He really was in the military as a doctor. And then sort of the rest of the stories kind of (laughs) launched from there.
1: Right. He really was a doctor. He had been in private practice. That's really the problem is that a lot of what he told me, which I later discovered, of course, a lot of it was true. And so, but that's what the best liars do. They mix fiction and fact. So you don't know which way is, you know, you don't know which way is up. So anyway, I I thought to myself, well, he's, I I don't know. I thought he could be nuts. Maybe he's not nuts one way or the other. I'm going to get a story somewhere. So we started seeing each other, and he was adorable. He was charming. He was funny. He was smart. He was thoughtful. He was kind, and he adored me. And all of these things are very. And he was exciting, and this is significant. You know, he didn't lead a typical life, and I don't want to lead it. I didn't want to lead. I and he was a doctor
0: a too, life. so that and would have been, loving. you know, the ultimate security, right? The, marrying a doctor
1: well we take these things and and well yes and we take you know if you have a uniform or if you have some kind of yeah. professional uh, uh, job we think that you have that you're an upstanding citizen right much more than if you're you know like he was i don't know it's not like he was just some uber driver off the street i mean he was like so serious guy so yeah i, I gave him a pass and um and i thought he was a really good guy i met his kids he had one who a son who was 12, a daughter who was like five. Um, I met his aunt, his brother, his brother's family. You know, I knew his friends. He met my family. Um, and my mother, you know, she really liked him. This is what the irony. She really liked him. But when I told her the Bin Laden thing, she said, That's, there's something wrong. <laughs> That's just not <laughs> He's nuts. And he jumped said, the shark well, with
0: the Bin Laden story. He, if he, had just he jumped stopped the shark. Before
1: that. Exactly. And then he said he'd also told us that, I mean, you know, like he told us, so anyway, well, I'm jumping ahead, but we, he, we start seeing each other. I'm moving to Washington anyway. He, you know, and I thought, okay, good. Well, isn't this nice timing? So I was moving to Washington and we start dating each other and he proposes to me uh, six months into the relationship. And I said, yes. So we move in together into where else? The Watergate, because if you're going to have deception in your life, that's where you live. Ah, uh, so that's hilarious.
0: How ironic! I mean, it's, so you're in it's the so Watergate with 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 a scammer guy, and he moves yep. you into the Watergate.
1: Logical liar. Yep. All moved right. You to the Watergate, and it was beautiful. Yeah. So <laughs> we're li- we're living in the Watergate, and you know I'm with Johns Hopkins, and I'm studying with these really great thinkers, these military strategists. I mean, these really significant people. And he would, my guy, I call him the commander, was going to the Pentagon uh, every day, and he was. Really working on this task force to open up this hospital in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he would travel and he would say to me, You know, I say, What are you doing? And he would say, I, I can't tell you. I can tell you when there's a secure line. Or he would uh, say, If I tell you,
0: yeah, I have to kill you.
1: Is it one I of those to, kind, of that kind of deals? Right. Like <laughs> when he told me he had met his ex wife in Iran when he rescued her. And I said, when were we in Iran, like, cause it, the timing didn't match up. It wasn't the 70s. Yeah. And he said, I can't, I can't, he said it was a secret mission. You wouldn't have heard about it. That's what he said was the same thing when he was held hostage in China, it was a secret mission. You wouldn't have heard about it. And again, I thought somebody has to do these things, right? I mean, someone does. So what better decoy than this kind of unassuming, somewhat nerdy doctor who you wouldn't assume you wouldn't, he didn't look like the rock. So, and it wasn't made out of whole um, cloth. He really was
0: in the navy. He really did work at the Pentagon.
1: Yes, I he mean did. that
0: part he of it did. was true. So
1: it wasn't he crazy did.
0: for you to believe the rest of these stories.
1: It really wasn't. It really was not crazy. I mean, I mean objectively, you know, things didn't make sense. But no, it wasn't crazy. But it was that, and nothing was verifiable. And if I tell you, I tried so hard to verify things. I tried. I researched, and I. I interrogated him, and, and I he didn't like that about me. He didn't like it at all. You know, even to the point of, for example, he brought me some pearls, and he told me they were made by they were Mikimoto, which is a very high end, swanky brand, and they didn't have an insignia on, on the clasp. It didn't say anything that would there was no M. And so I said to him, you know, there's nothing here. I don't think they're Mikimoto. And he got really mad at me. He said, why why do you have to question everything? Why can't you just accept things? You know, so he started making me feel really bad, like I was this terrible person. Which
0: you know, let but me I mean, ask you: you you probably would have appreciated yeah. the pearls if they weren't, if of he course. didn't say yeah. that they were Mickey Moto. And this exactly. is where it. This is where these yeah. people reveal themselves is when they lie, and they don't really have to lie.
1: They don't have to lie, but they just do it. He, I didn't care in the it. but I later brought them. Just for my own edification, I brought them to the Mikimoto store in New York City, and they were like, "Yeah, these are not ours," you know. But you know, he did something else where we were supposed to actually when he the weekend he proposed to me, uh, we were supposed to go to this very fancy inn in Little Washington in 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 Virginia, and he canceled because he said that he had a tax bill come up with the business he had with his former father-in-law. And so he needed the money. He said, we're going to keep the reservation, but we'll just use it another time. So I called, I called the hotel to see if we really had a reservation and we did, we really did. So again, the things like some things added up, but then there were the things that I couldn't verify. Ultimately, ultimately I um, ended with the relationship in October. So that's when it was about, what, 10, 11 months? Uh, we went out to dinner with my parents and we had this meal, and he raved about the Brussels sprouts. They were just the greatest things ever. And then we left the restaurant, and he said, That had to be one of the worst meals I've ever eaten in my life. And I said, Why did you lie? He said, I So take he's the in the meal. You're saying
0: he's sitting there at the table having dinner with you and your parents, and he's raving mm-hmm. about the meal, but then later tells you that he was just lying. He really hated it.
1: Correct. And it so it's like, the, again, the, another another lie
0: right. another lie that was right. not necessary, right?
1: Right, exactly. But the thing that's so interesting is he said, well, I wanted to make them feel good. And I said, they didn't make it. You know, it's not like my mother was slaving for hours over these breakfast spreads. We were in a restaurant. That was good nothing. Good point, Who yeah. Cared? If she
0: had made the yeah. food, then that lie might have made sense. Again, but,
1: that, yeah, But this is stupid, stupid. And again, and I always thought that he'd been very over the top with people, and he was just – he just would always, you know, when we moved into the Watergate, he told us that um, Placido Domingo and uh, William Kennedy Smith were at the, the board meeting. That's what he told. And my mother had said to him, "I don't know how that's possible because Placido Domingo is on tour in Europe right now." You know, and he didn't like that. She questioned him, but it was it was like he got busted lying, and and it was just trying to make himself look important. I think is is really what it was about. I think he had absolutely no he was so insecure about himself and he had no he just he had no he just didn't feel good about himself so he just tried to make himself look better i mean he was you know he would tell me that he had an audience with obama who's then in the white house you know and that obama they met for 20 minutes and obama signed a baseball for his kid you know and it turned out that of course later he had signed it for his kid he didn't. It wasn't Obama. He never met with Obama. Or that Hillary Clinton had asked for him by name on an airplane, you know. again. And you use the term in your book, uh, you
0: use the term gaslighting. And a lot he of people don't me. know, yeah, that that comes from actually a movie, right? And tell us it like what up, that up. actually means for people that don't know the term.
1: Okay. There was a movie uh, called Gaslight. And it was with Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman and in the film basically he is a he's a bad guy and he's trying to make her think that she's crazy because he wants to commit her to an asylum so that he can take her jewels for money and so he flickers the gas lights and then he and she's all these weird things are happening in the house and he says to her he, she you know she says i don't know what's going on i keep seeing these this, these gas lights and flickering and he says i don't know what you're talking about and so basically he was making her question herself and her own reality and her own perception. And it's, it's a term. It's now a psychological issue. It's, it's now a, a term that people
0: use. And like when I confronted my brother about the embezzlement, it was the yeah. strangest thing. He, he beat his fist on the desk and he said he had never taken a dime from the company, yep. and if anything, he's owed several thousand dollars of reimbursements that he hasn't put in yet. And and it, he went so over the top with it. By the time he was done, like I I owed him millions of dollars instead he of that, and,
1: and it.
0: it's just crazy.
1: That's what they do. But that's what they do. Did he make you question yourself? Did you question yourself he, for he, a minute? He, he, yeah.
0: So he, I was, on I was uncertain. And then when I, you know, I, I had that confrontation with him he made me apologize to him for accusing him. And and even though I wasn't really accusing him, I said, look, here's the accounting records from the accountant. This much money is missing. You're the only one other than me that had access. Can you help me clear this confusion up? And he immediately said, how dare you accuse me? He escalated what I said, which I didn't say. And then was so emphatic in his denial that I was literally in tears feeling bad for having accused him. And he demanded I apologize to him, which I did. And that just shows what kind of a guy I am. I'm, I, I just I, he, he had me turned around in 10 minutes after I talked to my auditor, CPA, who said money's missing. And so here I am with these two realities. Right. The reality is this money is missing, but my brother absolutely didn't take it. Those are both in my brain and I can't yep. make sense of the two. And I thought I was and going crazy.
1: You thought you were, well, that's co- cognitive dissonance, right? It's like one, I don't understand. How does one thing, how can they both be true? They cannot, but how do I make sense right. of it? I mean, he, your brother was manipulating the hell out of you, but that is what they do. Look, if you think about Lance Armstrong, what did he do? People accused him of doing something for years. They accused him of doping. They accused him and he went on the offense. There's something wrong with you. How dare you waste money investigating me? How dare you question me? Harvey Weinstein did that. Bill Cosby did that. Um, you know, people in politics yep. do that. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's it's that's what they do, and they make you. Is is yourself. this what you and that would, is what would it be? F- do to me.
0: Would it be fair? And by the way, those just tuning in, our guest tonight is Abby Ellen, and her name is spelled E L L I N. If you want to go over yep. to Amazon and find her and find her wonderful book which is an incredible page turner, which by the way, we only got a PDF cause I guess there was some delay in getting the book to us. And I sure yeah, hope I, I get know. the book. I, I hope I get it. it because it I want to read the whole book and I'm going to do a written book review. And we're going to have you back again down the road because this is such a great topic. I, I want to talk to you more about it, but tell me about sociopath psychopath. Okay. Is, is this, are these the right terms that I'm using to apply to this guy as well as to my own brother?
1: And maybe to your brother. You know, I I okay, so the book is is I tell my story and it's an it's a quest. It's an investigation. It is not a memoir. I am just telling people that because people expect it to be a memoir and it's not. It's really because I wanted to know how people do this. I wanted to know why they do that. I wanted to know why we believe these people. I mean, you obviously believed your own brother because he was your brother. Why would your brother lie to you? Why would he do that? Yeah, he was exactly. your family. Why would he lie to his family? They, you don't do that, except people do, left and right. Happens all the time. So in my question, I was like, look, are these people, is there something wrong with them? Are they narcissists? Are they uh, psychopaths? Are they sociopaths? Like, what is it? And to some degree, of, yeah, of course, they have psychopathic tendencies. Uh, and and uh, psychopath and sociopath they're, all, they're pretty much used interchangeably. People think they're different, but for the most part, they're used interchangeably. I'll just go with psychopaths. Um, and they're all narcissists. But here's the thing. Every psychopath is a liar, but not every liar is a psychopath. So you could get somebody. It's not, so it's very easy to label people. We like to label people. We like to say that people are different. They're not necessarily. Um, psychopaths are lacking in empathy, and, and somebody who's lying and manipulating is certainly lacking, lacking in empathy. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, I, it's, a spectrum, so people are on a spectrum, so they could be. So a is it that they believe? Be like Do they
0: be, Did Abby? Do they believe their own lies, or is it just that they don't feel guilty about lying?
1: I, it, I think it depends on the circumstance. I think my guy ultimately believed his own lies. I think he. He. I think he really believed it. I think he was sort of. I think he's insane, but he would read Tom Clancy, and then and, at night, and then he would tell me, you know, about a plot that was going on in his own life and I could swear that it had come right from Tom Clancy. I think he just lifted it. He was like Walter Mitty on acid. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, and back but, to your story
0: because I, I want to make sure before I get into some of my uh, questions I've got, let's yeah. finish your story though. So, cuz I I know the, I this, but let's tell people what happened to this guy. In the okay. you never no, married no, him, no, left which him. is
1: No. You left I got him. out. I, I left, and I was lucky because I didn't have kids. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a house with him. I could leave. I mean, it was hard to leave because I actually was living with him in New York, in Washington, and I had a house in New York that was um, rented. So that was tough. But I left, and I felt bad about it for a while. I thought, God, maybe I really blew the best thing that happened to me, and I'm just this horrible, suspicious person, and I don't trust anybody. And a year and a half later, I got a call from NCIX. And there was a doctor who was writing prescriptions for Vicodin and other drugs, and he was forging signatures. And I was one of the signature he, he, he forged, and his dead mother and his aunts and people who worked with it depending on, did I know this guy? Did I have a prescription? And I said, I know this guy. And, you know, but no, I like Valium. I don't have a prescription for mycodin. <laughs> so I, um, he, he went to jail. He went to jail. Wow. And then I kicked. Then I kicked into gear. Then I kicked into journalist mode, and I called his ex-wife, and I called his ex-ex-wife, who I never knew existed, and I called the woman he was engaged to while he was engaged to me, which I didn't know existed. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it was all of these. Um, and then the woman who's with after me. I mean, it was just the big. It was. So it did, was pretty bad. Did, when
0: you went into his when you went into his background. So uh-huh. I think from the book, you said that this man was like in his fifties when you were involved with him.
1: He was 50 Is that right? at the time. Okay. Yes, so, so he'd he lived 50, like, he'd lived yeah. almost
0: a whole lot. He'd lived almost a whole life or at least half of a life, 58 years old. So what were some of the most interesting things you found out about his background other than, you know, you, what you, you thought you knew about him?
1: Uh, well, I'll tell you, well, I didn't know that he had a first wife. You know, he obviously I called the ex-wife and she said, I've never, I was never in Iran. He didn't meet me in Iran. She said he was never in <laughs> the, the Navy. Uh, he was never a, a working for the CIA. He was never. A right. I mean, I had that verified from, from, I had that verified anyway, from people, military people who verified that. Um, but I didn't know he had had an ex-wife and he left the first wife for the second wife. I didn't know that he had been living with a woman in December of 2009. He proposed to this woman. And then in February of 2010, he said to her, hey, I've got to go off on a secret mission. I'll call you when I come back. And he never came back. And you were, mission, uh, uh, you, yeah, yeah.
0: you were the secret mission. You were the secret mission. I just stole your punchline there. So did you find yeah. out about, though, like any other crimes or anything from the past? Because this sounds scary. And like, he, and, who knows what he could have done in the past? He's like definitely I somebody know. detached from reality.
1: It did, well, I did call the place he worked because he had been in private practice in Beverly Hills. And I called that company, that office up, and they said, Yeah, we, they, he told me he had been a partner. And they said he was never a partner. And basically, we asked him to leave. And I don't know if he had been doing drugs on the job, if he'd been stealing, I don't know. But he never got caught for anything other than what he had gotten caught, caught for. He got caught for doing drugs, you know, stealing for himself. He said that he was an addict. I maintain that he must have been selling. I was told by the special agent that there was no evidence of that. So that I could be wrong about, but I would be surprised if he didn't. I would be really surprised. You can get a lot of money for drugs. Yeah.
0: And you know, the sad thing is that the white collar criminals like this, even when they get caught, the punishment is so minimal. Um, I I used to, for years on my radio show, I would pull up stories of embezzlers that were sentenced and then I would divide the amount of money they got by embezzling by their sentence and they were paid like, like hundreds of thousands of dollars per day in prison. Like if you just divide it out, it's like, you know, I, I might go to like a minimum security prison for a year for a $10 million take. I mean, that's not bad, you know, for just one year in prison. But they mostly get away with it because they're so good at this. Even the they're investigators so that this. came to my office to investigate my, my m- missing money, um, my brother had convinced them. He did the whole routine on them, pounding the fist on the table and all that. And they said, hey, we've gone to the bank, and the bank says that the CDs have been liquidated. Uh, There's no money there. And he had certificates of deposit that he had created on the computer that he put in front of them, and he said, look at this. This proves the CDs are at the bank. He had them wrapped up for months uh, while they were trying to figure out what had happened. He had them convinced. And it's almost like even the professional investigators are not used to people with these kinds of, like, incredible denials. Because most of us normal people could never deny – I mean, if I had done something wrong and I was caught, I would probably start crying and admit I did it and put my hands out to be handcuffed. But these people don't do that, do they?
1: No, they don't do that. But. Again, I you know I don't we don't know all that we're capable of. I mean I don't, I don't know what the circum I don't know what the circumstances were in your brother's life. Um, obviously, he, well he needs to embezzle because he had another family, right? Right? He needed the money.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and then in my next book I'll be getting into the seven other companies he embezzled from after he left my company, and so, so <laughs> maybe, you, maybe we can so, get together on that story at some point. Well, it might I, I, rival I your like story. To. I'd like to talk about that, but so did he ever go to jail or didn't? Uh, so so not in my case, um, and I discussed it in my first book, which gets into that, but he did ultimately – his he ran out of luck. He ultimately did get convicted, and once he was ultimately convicted from a different embezzlement, um, he, yeah. he was given uh, parole, never a day in prison, and restitution and parole, but no prison, which is kind and of what like if- what they're – what well, they're doing. What they're, they're right. Like,
1: right. 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 And what about the families? What about the two families?
0: Yeah. So the, 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 the family found out about it and he, the wife divorced him when she found out about oh, it. She did. And then he went yeah. with the, the other woman she knew about the other family, I guess, that he was promising to leave the wife and so forth. And so he was with her for some period of time, but then she cut things off with him. And then he'd been through multiple relationships since then, and none of them have worked out. And uh, it's, it's just a disaster. When I tell people my story, I don't know if you have the same reaction, but people kind of look at me like I'm making up a story. Like there's no way that this could have happened. there's no way you you could have someone steal this much money and you wouldn't notice it. And there's no way it could go on for multiple other companies and they wouldn't notice it. And there's no way that he wouldn't be in prison. And I'm like, look, I'm just, don't believe me then, but this is my real story. I have like court records and everything and investigator notes. And I was involved in all these other cases. They called me to consult with them on the other cases. I mean, it all really happened, but it's so unreal that I could never write a novel based on this because no one would believe it. They would say this no is too incredible. You've gone, you've gone way too far with the story and you probably have had the same reaction yourself. Isn't that right?
1: It, it's, it's not so much. People haven't said to me, God, that sounds so fantastical. What they say is, and I read these reviews that people did online and they say, how could she be such an idiot? She's so smart. How could she be such an idiot? And, you know, and that's really the point of the book to tell you the truth. It's, it's It's that this can happen, this does happen all the time, and everybody I know has been duped. Everybody, if they haven't been, they know someone who's been duped, whether it's by a lover, a partner, a sibling, a colleague, a present. I mean, everybody's been duped in some arena, and nobody wants to talk about it because you feel like an idiot because everybody says to you, what's wrong with you? How could you not have known it? that's what I get more than that sounds so far fetched. I, I get I get, you know, you're the fool here. And Yeah, well and, and, and when you look at today's yeah.
0: society like this college scandal where you know, kids that were never on a row team are put on rowing machines yeah, and photoshopped pictures and, and you would think Nobody would ever do that. That's just like, I mean, you would never do it. You would at least get your kid on the rowing team as a senior, and maybe they were terrible, but you would still try to make that sound better than the, the fact that they came in last place in every race. But the idea that they just put them on machines and took pictures and Photoshop, these were in the house rowing machines. And you think who could do this, but these are people in our, as you say in chapter three, people in your neighborhood.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have, you have no idea. I mean, how did your, so I guess it was your ex sister-in-law. Are you still in touch with her? Uh, You are not, not really,
0: not really, you know, we we don't know for sure um, what, how much she knew it's that, that, that never got really, that never became clear to us one way or the other. We had our, our questions, you know, about that. Um, He had a great cover story as to where all this extra money was coming from. And uh, he had claimed that it was an inheritance from a relative on her side of the family. And we thought that because we found out in the end that that was all a made up story and he had shared that story in front of her and she never contradicted that, that that made her somewhat complicit in, in, in that because that was his cover story. Uh, because he, it was well thought out, because I'm sure he thought, you know, how, how am I going to explain to my brother how I'm building this big new house, how I'm doing these things? And then, of course, our audited, our, our financials were audited every year. So our auditors were deceived as well. I mean, these are like people I paid $25,000 a year to, to come in for a week and audit all my finances. And he had them uh, all you know, deceived as well. And these are people that are supposed to actually go to the bank and check that money is there. They don't just take anybody's word for it, but somehow he got through five years of audits. It's kind of like Madoff, you know, Madoff, he was going for what, 30 years. And nobody believed he was up to anything. Even when whistleblowers came forward 10 years before he was arrested and said, I've got proof he's doing this. Nobody would believe it.
1: Well, then here's the question. What, two things. A, Okay, A, what about the second family? Did the wife know anything about that?
0: Yeah, we don't know because we didn't really have any relationship with her. Uh, we don't know okay. if, if okay. she thought he might have just been this independently wealthy guy. Um, oh, I and and one, of, okay. one of the bizarre, okay. one of the most scary things we found out afterwards was that he would go into the major city near where I live, Orlando, and he would say he was me. So he would sit down at a bar and they would ask him, well, what he does for a living? And he would describe everything about me, that he had written X number of books. Well, he didn't use my name, but he used my resume. He he would tell everyone that he was a multiply published author, that he had a radio program. He was me to all these other people. And so we, we kind of figured out like in the end, maybe this was somehow like a mental disorder where he thought he should be the one getting all the money and that he was really jealous of me or something like that and kind of superimposed my identity over his own. So I have like all these super high end identity protection things in place just in case, you know, anything ever happens. I get notifications on my phone. You know, if my bank accounts fall below certain levels and if anybody's applying for credit in my name, I've got all those, kind of countermeasures in place just in case because you just never know you know what might happen but i did sue him and i got a civil judgment for millions and millions of dollars which i was never able to collect it became an asset of my bankruptcy yeah it became an asset of my bankruptcy because i ended up having to go bankrupt but he did finally ultimately get convicted Um, but i don't want to steal your thunder here because i got a few more minutes with you I, i wanted to ask well, and maybe we can get together and talk about it more sometime. I will. Uh, let, me, let me ask you, though, in your book, because I didn't get to go through the whole book because we didn't get the physical okay. book. But But is there any, like, tips in there for people, you know, I'm sure we all get lied to every day, and maybe it's of no consequence. So, you know, if you're out at a restaurant or a bar and somebody tells you some tall tale and you think to yourself, well, maybe this person's lying, maybe they're not. It doesn't really matter because I'm not going into business with them. I'm not marrying them. Exactly. I'm not having exactly. a child with them. But do you give exactly. tips on how to know who you can trust when it really does matter?
1: Well, what I, I mean, look, the thing that I tell people that, that at the end of the day, what it boils down to, it, you need hard evidence, right? And anything. But absent hard, hard evidence, it's your gut. And if something doesn't feel right, it's not right. And the other thing is I want to tell people, and I do tell people, listen to your gut. Now, that sounds really basic. It's not. Because I, I was, met, you know, when I met this guy, I kept saying to my friends, something is not right here. I don't know what it is. And they would say to me, you are so cynical. You're so suspicious. You're so mistrusting. You got to give the guy a break. You got to go with it. And this actually happened later in the book. I met another guy. I mean, it was much, it was, he lied. He told me he was separated from his wife. He wasn't, you know, that he was, they were separated the way you're separated from someone at dinner, you know, by a salt shaker. They were not <laughs> separated, but he, he, he lied to me. But it was again, and my gut said, he's lying to me. I know he's lying to me. And my head said, why would he lie to me? He knows what I went through. He, why would he do this? You know what I mean? So it's, it was trust your gut because, and really listen to it. So that sounds really easy and it's not. But but you have to, I mean, there are, there are a million ways to, you know, if someone is, is, we think that if somebody looks up or they look down or they scratch their nose or they do whatever that means that they're lying to us, that's not what it is. You really have to see what their baseline behavior is and then look at how they deviate from that. And according to the people I, I studied with, um, they're the guys who were former CIA people and they... Uh, wrote a book called Fly the lie and they talk about all of this. You know, you want to find what the, the the clusters of behaviors are within like the first five seconds of meeting somebody. And so it's really, it's very complicated is to see how somebody is. It and is. And, and, to...
0: and these over the top denials, I can tell you that's, that, that is not. the biggest tip off. You know, I mean, they, and, and, and I don't want to be too political, but we can go all the way back to like the bill Clinton. I did not have, Sex with that woman. You know, these are the kind of denials that, okay, something's going on here because it's like, too, thou protestest too much, right? I mean, isn't that a big tip off?
1: Yeah, they go on the offense, you know, but again, in a personal, you want hard evidence. But yes, if someone attacks, if someone makes you feel like you're the crazy one, that's a sure sign that you're not. I mean, it's, and again, you have to trust yourself that's what this is all about. So my message to everybody, I mean, this is to women and men, right. But interpersonally, I think it happens more to women, but it's, you know, you have to be your own advocate and you have to, and it means if, if you're going to, you have to, you have to protect yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And that would apply to you too. I mean, yeah, this is a tremendous,
0: this is a tremendous, tremendous book. And I love to read books like this. I love to you'll think this is probably weird, but I have like a whole shelf of books here on on Ted Bundy because I teach women self-defense. That's one of the things I do. Right. And right. and and I love to read books about deception because I think there's a lesson to be learned as someone myself that was deceived. I I'm fascinated by it but i also think there are the telltale signs just like when someone's good at poker because they can read the other poker players i i really believe in the gavin de becker idea of the gift of fear and i love what mm-hmm. you said about you know trusting your gut and you also have a chapter in here about uh you say verify don't trust and you know today with the That's internet right. and all the things you we have today it's not that hard to even run a background check on someone if you're suspicious that maybe something might be wrong.
1: But also, you know, don't let the fact that it's your brother, don't let your relationship get in the way of it. I I am sure you didn't think in a million years that your brother this to you right
0: never that's no i
1: that's you know it's 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 affinity fraud really is what that is and that's you know if you go to like the state of utah i had a huge rate of affinity for it fraud it's like mormons doing that to mormons you don't think that would happen to you just like bernie madoff did that to other jews he was he was duping them you don't think people who were like in your in group were going to do that to you so you overlook certain things and that's the problem this is it's not that complicated and yet it's profoundly complicated
0: and your book is absolutely fascinating. It's a page-turner, and people can get the book at Amazon.com. But tell us more yeah. about where they can get the book as we close it out here tonight. Is, are there other book chains carrying it? Is it available in the oh, physical yeah. bookstores?
1: Oh, absolutely. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to your independent bookstores. You, if you're in D.C., you can go to politics and, Pro, you know, anywhere that they sell books, you can go and get my book, Dukes, Double Lives. False identities and the con man I almost married, but didn't. I didn't marry him.
0: Uh, yeah, good for you. And and people will love the fact that there's also an Audible audiobook version. We have so many yep. listeners that love that. And also, I see yep. that there is a Kindle edition for those that want to read it on the Kindle device as well. We do have a pretty large audience that listens live, but honestly, our biggest audience is the downloaders that download throughout the week. And not only will that be a benefit for your book sales, but also as this show is posted to all of our sites on the internet, which are several dozen, it will stay up forever. And so this is sort of one of those timeless stories. It's a story that you. you can read it 20 years from now. And it's still going to be instructive. We thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Abby Ellen, do you have a website or any other information you want to give out?
1: I do. My website is, shockingly, abbyellen.com. And you and can follow me on Twitter. at Abby okay. Ellen. It's A-B-B-Y-E-L-L-I-N.
0: Yeah, remember, it's, it's E-L-L-I-N, which is a little bit of a, a twist there. A-B-B-Y-E-L-L-I-N. Abby Ellen, thank you so much for joining us. Fascinating interview. Thank you. And uh, I loved having you out tonight. We'll definitely have you back again. Thank you. All right, folks, that does wrap it up for this week's edition of Jim Paris Live. And remember, if it's Sunday night, we're here for you. It's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next week. So long, everybody.